Welcome to the Anxiety Slayer podcast. I'm Shan Vanderleek, and today I'm speaking with Lopa Vandermerch, Ayurvedic practitioner and founder of Rasa, about reclaiming our precious energy, her journey from cult member to CEO, and why aptogenic coffee alternatives help you cope with stress better. Lopa is an Ayurvedic practitioner, mother, sustainability advocate, and recovering cult member. Her adventures have taken her around the world in search of health, spiritual fulfillment, and deep energy. Two years ago, she added a new chapter to her life story as founder and CEO of Rasa, the aptogenic coffee alternative revolutionizing people's relationship to their energy. Welcome to Anxiety Slayer, Lopa. Thank you so much, Shan. It's great to be here. Hello to everyone listening. I'm so grateful that your team reached out to us because there's many things I'd like to talk with you about today that I think will be helpful. But I do think that we probably need to start with what it's like to be thriving in your life on the other side of the cult you were once a member of and how that experience and recovery led you to becoming an Ayurvedic practitioner and, and then some. Hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it is definitely a night and day kind of experience for, for sure. Um, it feels, you know, when, when I was in the cult environment and in the recovery, the years of recovery afterwards and all the CPTSD that came from that and, I couldn't have quite imagined thriving to the level that I am now. Uh, you know, you, you could have told me and I would have said like, but what does it feel like? You know, it just felt, you know, that, that would have felt very foreign to my system right then because uh, there was just such a pervasive experience of anxiety that I had was so pervasive that I didn't even question that that was my, my normal, that was my normal state. And now I, I think I, I touch on that feeling sometimes when I have a very stressful moment or something really overwhelming comes up, or for me, there's, there's this, uh, problem of threes. If I have like something urgent at work comes up and then the kids are screaming and I'm cooking at the same time or something like that, my nervous system gets really overwhelmed. And, and then I'll get that feeling again. And mm -hmm. every single time now I'll be like, that used to be my base state. That was what it was like all the time. And now that's like a, oh, wow, that, that okay. I've had a stressful moment. I'm going to calm my system. It's a, it's a remarkable turnaround, I would say. And for anyone listening, it is possible. And it did take time and it took a lot of work and all of that. Yeah, for context, I actually was, I've been studying and practicing Ayurveda in my life for, gosh, I guess about 15 years now. Um, so that was way, that predated the uh, cult or abusive spiritual environments time by quite a bit. And it was actually, Ayurveda was this, it felt like this warm embrace that welcomed me back after getting out of the cult. And it was a little bit interesting because the, the teacher that I was following at the time, she was also very into Ayurveda. And so I was lucky in that it, my experience with Ayurveda did not, was not associated with the trigger of her. 
because it predated that. And also I think just because Ayurveda is what it is, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's just this vast, like I, I, it felt like just coming into grandmother's arms, you know, like this warm lap of love and care and nurturance for my nervous system. So that was uh, actually a key part of, of my both getting out and healing. I bet. And when you think of it, it's India's ancient science of life. So of course it feels like that embrace. There's just so much involved, not only nutritionally, but mentally, spiritually, whole life living. And, mm-hmm. and I'd love for you to share how Ayurveda, if somebody's brand new to it, if right now they're saying, what, what is that? What's that all about? And most of our listeners have heard us talk about it over the years, but for new people, what one recommendation, if you had one, would you invite them to explore if they're suffering with high levels of stress and anxiety? How, how do they dip their toe into practicing Ayurveda? First and foremost, it would, there's the question of how do you like to engage with things? If you're a reader, my favorite introductory book of Ayurveda is called Prakriti. It's by Dr. Robert Svoboda, S-V-O-B-O-D-A. And the book is spelled P-R-A- K-R-I-T-I, Prakriti. And uh, that is a fantastic and beautiful to read um, and not very thick either. It's a pretty pretty small book that gives you a really good overview and worldview. And then in terms of if you're more of an experiential person, how do you dip your toe in in terms of just getting into that world? Ayurveda is really about how, how we live, how we nourish ourselves the routines and the cycles of life that we experience can be medicine, our medicine, mm-hmm. we, especially when we consciously engage them and do it properly in alignment with the cycles of the seasons, with the cycles of the day, with the cycles of our own bodies, and in respect to and knowing our own constitution. Um, so another great way to dip your toe in would to be to take, take one of these um, there's a word for it. A dosha? A dosha yes. test? Yeah, we have, yes, we have exactly. one on our site at anxietyslayer.com. Oh, fantastic. So yeah. take the dosha test on the Anxiety Slayer website. And the dosha is going to tell you what your constitution is, um, what your elemental makeup is, uh, the balance of your elements between um, water, wind, and fire. <clears throat> and that's going to give you a framework for how to work with your own energy and work with your own how what really nourishes you best um and then my probably go-to number one ayurvedic practice especially if you have anxiety or post or dealing with ptsd um is abhyanga which is the practice of oil massage so massaging yourself with warm oil it just, it literally adds a layer of nourishment and protection to our skin, which is fundamentally, that's our nervous system on the outside. That is our nervous system's interface with the rest of the world. And so it just helps to soothe all those frayed edges of your nerves. But it's also a process. It's not just slapping oil on your body. Yeah, You're right. <laughs> giving yourself self-love. It's such a beautiful practice. It's a loving practice. It's something that I am incredibly grateful for. Most of us don't treat our bodies with that love and respect. 
we, we don't take the time. We might put some hand lotion on or we might wash our face and put some lotion on or maybe sunscreen when we're out in the sun. But that loving time that you carve out to be present with your body, it's amazing. Yeah, and Ayurveda as a practice is just full of ways to incorporate that into your life until you're actually, you know, I'd say the fruition. And when I see people who are living Ayurveda at at a level that I really admire and aspire to, it just feels like their every action is actually moving from a place of self-love and respect for the broader cycles of time. And uh, it's just, it's very beautiful. And and the, they're, they're just really grounded and nourished and open and mm, present. always look 10 years younger than they actually are. I mean, it's just, you know, there, there are many benefits. Yeah, it's very, it's a wonderful practice. I highly recommend it, especially for anyone who is dealing with anxiety or you often talk about reclaiming energy integrity and how it's so easy for us to ignore our internal signals. And, and as you know, anxiety sufferers often fixate on their internal signals with hyper-awareness that robs them of the present moment. So there's this push-pull between what we ignore and what we become hyper-aware of. And would love your take on that, what that means to you and and how our listeners can open to more energy integrity. I really appreciate that question. And in the context of that hyper-awareness that can happen too, because that that also is is another side of it. And in dealing with my own anxiety and, and, you know, managing triggers for that, there is a certain, you have to, you have to manage your triggers so that your nervous system can relax. If you're, you can't override or just be like, well, I'll just ignore it or, but you also have to notice when you're making yourself, when you're making it worse. And that's where you have to activate this higher level of awareness as much as possible to see things from that broader, like who is watching, not just little me watching, but actually observing yourself as you're having this, this awareness so that you can also, it's like you have to mother yourself. And if you're kind of on hyper alert and like, well, I have to watch out for this and I have to do this and that in and of itself is its own anxiety provoking state. And it can be, I mean, I've, I've watched myself spiral so many times on that where the anxiety about the anxiety becomes the new anxiety and it just goes down. We, we all know where that goes. Yeah, it's awful. Um, yeah, it's horrible. And that's you know where you feel like your own mind is attacking itself. For me, having some grounding, some some consistent practice where I'm touching in with what inspires me on that bigger level, what connects me to that higher self, what connects me to that deeper sense of awareness. And for everybody, that might be different for me you know, reading Dharmic books, listening to Dharma teachings, doing yogic practice, um, all of that can really help me to be able to just have a little bit more of an access point to that so that I can maybe catch it when it starts to come up and be like, oh, wait, I'm actually going down that path. I'm about to make myself more anxious about being anxious. Maybe we can go. And, and then I have certain practices that I go to. 
um, to, to help manage that process. So I'm, I'm focusing right now on just this one acute part, and then we'll talk a bit more about the energy integrity more broadly in our lives. For me, it was getting outside, lying on the ground, and I have one vagus nerve toning exercise that I do that was completely transformative for me in my life. I don't know that it will be that for everyone. It just happened to be a key for, for my own nervous system. And it's very, very simple and takes very little time. Clasp your hands behind your head. You want your pointer fingers to be kind of just below the occipital ridge there. So it's in that soft spot, but it's the most natural spot way to clasp your hands. It's, you know, but you'll, you'll find it. And then you keep your head perfectly straight, turn just your eyes all the way to the right and keep them all the way over there until you either yawn, sigh, or swallow without trying to. And then once you do that, it usually takes 30, maybe 60 seconds. Bring your eyes back to center, and then they go all the way to the left again, keeping your head perfectly straight. And then sometimes I'd cycle through that a couple of times. And are you li- was- you're lying down when you do this, it, preferably I outside on the ground? Down. Yeah. For me, the ground helped um, oh, yeah. just actually contact with earth, but I have done it at a stoplight, you know, sitting up, Um, you can do it sitting up. It's just, it can be a little bit easier when, when you're lying down. And, you know, if it was freezing out, I might not have gone outside, et cetera. But for me, it was often getting quiet and getting a little bit of space was part of that important process. But then as I got more faculty with the vagus nerve exercise, I was able to do it faster and easier in other locations. And so I was able to use this, it, you know, ended up becoming a bit of a hack Mm-hmm. Um, it's still important to get connected to your nervous system. Um, there's a practitioner that I that I've uh, done some of her work. Um, Deb Dina calls it befriending your nervous system. The the hack part can help you to get more space so that you can befriend your nervous system and understand the types of circumstances that get you into that the anxious state and the types of circumstances that bring out your best self and how to bring more of that into your life. She has a great audio course for anyone listening who who might want to explore that further. Um, I think it's just called Befriending Your Nervous System. So it's just a really good way to have that broader self-mothering awareness of your own nervous system state so that you can just become really adept with how to deal with the circumstances that you have. And so often we just want the anxiety to be done. We just want it to go away. And there can become this kind of internal self-attacking that happens that doesn't really help. And I found that for me, it was a really important part of the process to, as I started to do this work of befriending my nervous system, just being like, okay, this is the nervous system I have right now. It's Mm -hmm. just what's here. And me bumping up against it and saying it shouldn't be like this is actually has, has never helped. I was able to look and be like, wow, I've done that hundreds of times. Not once has it actually worked. Okay. <laughs> so instead of beating myself up for, for that, or, you know, going down that path, can I just accept that this is what I have and work with that? And then lo and behold, I have a completely different nervous system. Now it right. did go away in that and it, it took time, but now the things that triggered me before are it's remarkable what this nervous system can withstand compared to what it could. And that's so promising for our listeners to know that you can change it and Mm -hmm. to, to do this exercise that you just walked us through and to explore other options and to be mindful. We talk a lot about grounding. We talk about the importance of 
magnesium and how that can help us calm our, our bodies and minds and so many other options. But I love this, especially right now as things are warming up in the Northern Hemisphere for people to be able to get outside and, and give this a try. And for me, bare feet was a part of it too. So there's this little, mm-hmm. sometimes I, you know, I'm kicking my shoes off and I'm like kind of yelling as I go out and, you know, like, it's, ah, and I just lie on the grass and be like, okay, just do this. The other important part of that practice that I did not mention earlier is just take a moment to notice before you start, how's my state? And then do, do the round, look left, look right, and then look left, and then notice how your state is. What I would almost invariably notice is it was two or three notches down in terms of calming. And then sometimes I would do it again if I had time. And then even again, a third time. Sure. Um, and each time it would come down. Each time it would be more and more regulated. Once you get to the place of, of managing and having that broader context of like, I'm, I'm accepting my nervous system as it is, and I'm managing it well enough with what I can do, you know, like we Mm, we can't control all of our triggers. We can't control our environment perfectly as much as we would like, maybe like to, um, I had children, you know, sometimes I wanted to control them and make them stop because it was just too overwhelming and loud. Um, (laughs) yeah. Uh, one hack that I wish that I had at the time was there are noise reducing earplugs that can just take the noise down. For me, noise was a big trigger. Um, mine too. Mine too. And, and Anangas as well. We both have noise canceling headphones that uh-huh. save, save our butts on many occasions. And yeah, and there now are ones, a company, the one that I know of that I've seen is called Loop. And they're like, I think 20 bucks or something. And it just takes the decibels down a few, five to 10 or something like that. And so when my kids are being really loud, if I had had that in just to bring the actual impact on my nervous system down a bit so I can still hear them mm-hmm. um, would have been tremendously helpful as well. But as you start to work within that context of, of managing to the extent that you can, then there's also this broader conversation too. Of sometimes the trigger started 10 minutes ago and you didn't actually notice it. And that can be a way of starting to manage your energy where you start to, because we, we end up spending a lot of energy our anxiety takes a lot of energy from us. And so the sooner that we can start the clock on the self-care before the anxiety starts to to take over um, or before whatever the the trigger is starts to take over, then the more energy that we get to keep. Oh yeah. One of the things that, you know, I have really had to work with myself is, you know, just having so much fullness in my life and all of us, modern life is not designed for humans. I would say (laughs) it is not humane all of us having having that perspective so that we can say no sooner and see the scope of the choice that we're making some we often i have been very culprit anyway and i think in modern culture we we tell ourselves that we have to do certain things i have to keep up on social media i have to you know be up on all the constantly doing to. doing 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 yeah and we actually don't that's so <laughs> true a bigger part of energy integrity is looking at what have we committed to that's actually not really serving us. And when we have that spaciousness, so we're not in a trigger, we've, you know, we're in a, our, one of our good spaces. What are some of these choices that we can make both on a moment to moment basis, but also on a macro basis of how we're choosing to engage with life? Oh, I um, love that. And I, 
I, what I'd like to do is is stop right there and, and pick back up after a short break where we can dig a little bit deeper into these lessons and then segue right into rasa. Sound good? Sounds great. The Anxiety Slayer podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Life can be overwhelming and many people are burned out without even knowing it. Symptoms can include lack of motivation, feeling helpless or trapped, detachment, fatigue, and so much more. I remember at the end of my corporate career, I had many days where I was struggling to get out of bed to go to work. I was so out of sorts. I just didn't want to go anymore. And while we often associate burnout with work, that's not the only cause. BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself, put yourself at the front of the line. If you're not feeling like yourself, and this is all resonating with you a bit too much, please consider seeking out support from a therapist at BetterHelp. Talking with someone can help you figure out what's causing the stress in your life. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Anxiety Slayer listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slayer. That's betterhelp.com slash slayer. Before the break, we were discussing reclaiming our energy integrity, and I know you had a little bit more to say on that. So I'd love for you to continue exploring there and then to take us in the direction of how our set in stone patterns can be expanded to encompass more mutability, more flexibility. Yeah. And when you say mutability and flexibility, I think resilience, you know, mm-hmm. that's comes, comes to mind. So often we relate to resilience as how much can I withstand, you know, and sort of a pushing quality of resilience. But I actually, when you're coming from a place of nervous system regulation, that resilience actually does end up looking a lot like I can adapt. I can be flexible. I can respond to my environment with freedom. And so that's a really beautiful thing. There are a lot of stories that we tell ourselves, and there's a lot of stories that culture tells us about what it means to show up in the world today and what it means to be a good person and our identification with being a good person and what that looks like. One of my favorite quotes um, is from Jay Krishnamurti. And he says, it is no measure of health to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. And wow. Yeah. We, 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 this well-adjusted piece, we're all kind of like, oh, I need to this and I need to be that. And I need to, and, and so much of that is just coming from, it's coming from social media. It's coming from all the media. It's coming from all the directions. And this is kind of a cultural spell that we're, all under that keeps us from tapping into that deeper inner well that has so much more wisdom, that has so much more capacity and resilience and flexibility. So first and foremost, I look at sort of what am I engaging in that I don't have to? If I could send a message back to myself five years ago, it would be, you don't actually have to do all these things. (laughs) I 
was not willing to take help for certain reasons. You know, I was not, I was not supporting myself. I was not taking care of myself at all, very much sacrificing myself into motherhood and, and into my business as well. Everything around me suffered as a result. I felt very much like a victim to that circumstance. Like I I did not feel free. I was not freely choosing that level of always onness. I know all of us have different circumstances and sometimes we we do look at our circumstances and say, but I can't, you know, or I have to, I'm, you know, we, we, and I would just urge you to question, is there anywhere in there that you're telling yourself you can't, I can't take care of myself. I have to do these things. Often there actually is more freedom there than we initially will let ourselves believe. Oh yeah. And just being able to breathe a little bit of more spaciousness into what your life looks like, just to mm-hmm. give yourself that that one step. Because I, I realize having been in, in that rigid space for many, many years bef- before changing my life, you know, very much like you o- over time, and becoming more aware and more flexible and understanding and realizing that that I don't have to crawl on broken glass in order to make everything okay. I don't have to suffer. I don't have to put myself through all of this garbage in order to to be a good mom or to be a good business owner or to to be the co-host of this program or what have you, but that I can actually get more mindful about what I choose. And how does it feel? Is it light or is it heavy? And does, does this really fit? And what am I, what pattern am I in? Because we get into these patterns and we can't even see them. Other people can see them mm-hmm. <laughs> often, but we can't. And our listeners have been through so much, whether it be day-to-day anxiety, health anxiety, PTSD, and they often can't see how to turn this rigidity or, or these lessons into an operating manual for their future. Can you speak to that a little bit? Step by step. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's, it really is the, how do you eat an elephant? One, one bite at a time, although I've never eaten an elephant. It's a weird saying, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody made me a cake the size of an elephant, there we go. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, it really is. It often, to me, it, would, it felt a bit like, grasping in the dark, but you have to hold, you find that thread. For me, it was about like, I I had this image, this vision of a golden thread. And that golden thread was something that was very important to me. And I was inspired by, Um, in this case, it was my business. And it was also, at times it was my kids, the, the thread itself would change, but I just tried to have this sense of just keep holding on to that thing that is important and put one foot in front of the other. You don't have to know what it's going to look like in a year. You don't have to be at the result anytime soon. It's just about doing today a little bit better, doing this hour a little bit better, doing this minute a little bit better. And sometimes it was so bad that it really was like, okay, can I get through this breath? Okay. We got through that breath. Great. And the breath itself can be that golden thread that can be just following breath after breath into. Yeah. Such an anchor. Yeah into what's unfolding. Yeah. In term of, terms of it creating a, a manual or a blueprint for your life as it unfolds and where you're going, it's, 
I'd say for me, I, I couldn't see very far ahead at first. And then as you get more freedom and more spaciousness, you're able to, it actually started instead of seeing like further ahead, it actually started with seeing deeper in. Oh, I love that. I was that. able to, to yeah. feel more of what felt like my true self because the anxiety was not necessarily, and the, the PTSD symptoms were not, did not feel like the real me. Um, but I would get these glimpses. And in the polyvagal theory, the glimpses, they, they call them glimmers. And that's of when, when your nervous system is in a good state, you get these little, these glimmers. And those glimmers can come from a song that kind of reminds you of some aspect of yourself or you have a great conversation with a friend, you know, there's, there's many different ways that some, somehow you get these little reflections back of like, oh, this is who I actually am. I'm, I'm a free, open, loving, expansive, capable being. Mm. And it's really important to not then get all judgmental about yourself in that state where you're like, wait, but I wasn't 10 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, Right. you just take that piece and you take that reflection and it's almost like pieces of yourself coming back into yourself, like pieces of the puzzle. Life is handing you pieces of the puzzle back to yourself and, and you're putting back that the pieces of the puzzle of your heart and your, and your true nature. And slowly that starts to happen and slowly you get more experience of what that's like and what it feels like to be centered and to be grounded and to be healthy. And, you know, you might get a glimpse and then you might not have a glimpse for like a week you know, and then, but then, but you just remember that and just kind of come back to it and say like, didn't that feel good? You know, mm-hmm. okay. Maybe th- that happened through a really good conversation with a friend. Maybe let me reach out to another friend and see if something else happens. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. Um, I love that too, because then, then we're, we're focusing on what supports us and what nurtures us and, and scanning our field for that versus for what causes us to suffer, for what mm. has us feeling worried or caught in a loop of, of anxiety or what have you. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And that um, inspires me to talk about um, neuroception is this process of our brains are constantly scanning our environment for things that make us feel safe or things that make us feel not safe. And so one of the things that you can actually do to work with that neuroception is to, at least in one space of your home, even if it's a corner, have, have it so that everything in that space reflects back to you safety. Everything in that corner, everything in that room, whatever it is, eventually you can turn your whole house into this. It just, it, it reflects back, ah, like it's beautiful. It nourishes you. You look at it. My office is that space right now for me. I've, I have done that. Um, in my office and everywhere I look, my eyes fall upon something that, that delights me and that mm, nourishes Yes, me, yes, yes. Me too. And, yeah. And then that reflects back to your nervous system, this sense of safety. And so you're not, you know, kind of you're, you're scanning the room and you're like, ah, I, I don't even have to scan the room in that same way. But if you do, I notice that if I have a hard moment, if I have a hard conversation with my you know, husband or whatever, um, that I can, I just my eyes will go towards my favorite corner of my office and there will just be this reflection of safety and beauty back to me. Mm, thank you for um, sharing. Yeah. Yeah. And so scanning for what 
makes us feel good and what makes us feel safe is also a very important, not just looking for what, what might trigger us, but, you know, is even if you're not, if you're out in public or something like that, is there something, is somebody wearing a color of shirt that you really like? Is there a tree over, you know, off yonder, that's beautiful. Just go towards that thing that delights you. Yes. And see how that impacts your nervous system. Oh, thank you for that. I'd like to wrap our conversation today talking about rasa. Ananga and I have been inviting anxiety slayers worldwide to ditch their coffee and Mm. replace it with something better. And I would love for you to teach us more about rasa and aptogenic coffee alternatives and how this fairly new adventure you're on is revolutionizing people's relationship to their energy. Yeah. Happy to. Rasa was really born out of my own experience with trauma and anxiety. I had this tremendously traumatic and stressful year and then had a baby. And, you know, my (laughs) sleep was also destroyed and I needed something to keep me going. It's interesting. So I've never been much of a coffee drinker because I'm a Vata Pitta and Ayurveda. It's not great medicine for me. It's not very, it's not medicinal. It's more poison generally. And I've always known that. And even my Ayurvedic friends, when I had my baby, were like, this is the time you just guzzle coffee. Don't worry about it. It's fine. You know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, okay, if my staunch Ayurvedic practitioner friends are saying this, then I should go ahead and just drink coffee because that's what's what it's going to be. But my nervous system was really fried. I was in a very fragile state, I would say. And coffee, I, I would wake up with panic attacks. Not just when my baby woke me up, just in the middle of the night, you know, like extra. And I was like, okay, this is not going to work for where I'm at right now. So I tried all the coffee alternatives out there and just felt like we could do a lot better. I was really surprised that nobody had created the apotheosis of coffee alternatives with all the things that we know as humans about herbs and what they can do for our bodies. Why are we not changing people's lives with what they drink? I worked with a clinical herbalist and uh, together we you know, crafted this concept of rasa and it has, so it's very rich in adaptogens. Um, so the word is adapt, ogen, adaptogenic. And um, I, I love the description that <laughs> they help you to freak out slower and less intensely and recover faster in response to stress, all while increasing resilience overall. That's awesome. Yes. Yes. And that is, that is clinically supported. That is a, the, the freak out slower and less intensely and coming back faster. There is a graph in a peer reviewed study, you know, that shows that exact curve. They see it differently. Um, but sure, sure. Yeah. So they help your body to maintain homeostasis. Basically they, they have a normalizing effect on the body in general. They didn't fix the trauma. They didn't fix the stress, but they add just a little layer of protection, a little layer of nourishment so that I had just that tiny little bit of extra buffer between me and triggers. And I tested going on and off it just to see like, is this placebo effect? You know, is this actually having this impact? And it was really distinct. And we have had a lot of customers tell us that Rasa has helped them get through hard times, that it has really helped with their anxiety. 
that little bit of extra buffer that these herbs can give you, it's the question of what do you do in that buffer? You, you get that little bit of extra space. And if you use that as a, an upward spiral moment, if you drink your rasa in the morning and that becomes a cornerstone habit for well, while it's brewing, I do something to, to tend to my nervous system. I do something to, to take care of myself, I have that little bit of extra space. I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to put one hand on my heart and one hand on my belly. Those kinds of things can start this upward spiral of tremendous healing that can actually be really rapid. Part of why I started Rasa too is because I was like, okay, if I'm dealing with all of these, these experiences, um, anxiety, post-traumatic stress, all of that. Uh, and I know many, many, many other people are doing that. And many people are just drinking coffee unquestionably right? and using coffee to override their system. And like this whole healing process is about not overriding our systems so that you can get to a place where you don't have to override your system. Yeah. And these are herbs that can genuinely help with that. It was about let's help everybody have a slightly more regulated nervous system. Yeah. Um, like what if, what if everybody was just even 5% more chill? Yeah. I love um, that. And I love that you have so many rave reviews and I, I know that things are going really well with your company. And, and I just want to take a moment here to share the website our listeners can go to. It's wearerasa.com. And if you visit the website and want to place an order, you can save 15% by using the coupon code Slay Anxiety. Thank you for this conversation today. I appreciate you so much and your sharing and our conversation. What a gift to know you and thank you for creating Rasa. Thank you so much, Shannon. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Anxiety Slayer. Learn more about Lopa and the aptogenic coffee alternatives she creates at Rasa. You can find Rasa at wearerasa.com and save 15% on your first order by using the coupon code SLAYANXIETY.